0: On today's episode, a folktale about an arrogant coward who outsources the only difficult part of his mission. This is The Devil with the Three Golden Hairs. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to the Shadow Bear Story Sessions, the podcast about how folk tales and fairy tales were way more fun back when they were super dark and totally insane. So I've got the most true-to-the-original version of Grimm's fairy tales that I could find, and we are going front to back. And at the end of each episode, I adapt the tale into a modern-day TV show or film or something that I would want to watch myself. So let's not waste any time, let's get right into it. THE DEVIL WITH THE THREE GOLDEN HAIRS. WE BEGIN. A woodcutter was chopping wood in front of the king's house, while a princess was standing at a window above and observing him. Wouldn't the king's house just be a castle? This is a really sad kingdom, I suppose. When noon arrived, he sat down in the shadows and wanted to rest. Now the princess was able to see that he was very handsome, And fell in love with him. So this princess clearly doesn't get out much. So she had him summoned to her, and as soon as he caught sight of her and saw how beautiful she was, he fell in love with her. Well, that's convenient, but these are some pretty shallow people right here. No one has said a word, and they're both in love with each other. Works out pretty nicely, though. Soon they were united in their love for one another... But the king learned that the princess was in love with a woodcutter, and as soon as he knew this, he went to her and said, You know that you may only wed the man who brings me the three golden hairs from the devil's head, whether he be a prince or a woodcutter. The king thought that there had never been a prince courageous enough to accomplish this task, and therefore an inferior man like the woodcutter would certainly not succeed. The princess was distressed because many princes who had tried to fetch the devil's three golden hairs had died. Yeah, it seems like an impossible task. It just sounds like the king doesn't want his daughter to get married. Since there was nothing else she could do, she told the woodcutter what her father had said. However, the woodcutter was not at all depressed by this and said, I'll certainly succeed. Stay true to me until I return. Early tomorrow, I shall set out. Woodcutter, totally unfazed by this whole devil situation. Indeed, the woodcutter began his journey to the devil the next day, and soon came to a big city. In front of the gate, a guard asked him what kind of craft he practiced and what he knew. "'I know everything,' answered the woodcutter. "'Okay, buddy, let's slow down there. You're coming off a little bit cocky. "'If you know everything,' the gatekeeper said, "'then make our princess healthy again.' no doctor in the world has been able to cure her so they're just asking whoever happens to enter the town and they must be really desperate for help the woodcutter replied when i return in the second city wait so he just left they let him go he's like sure i'll cure her later people would be like, no, she's really sick. We need help now. If you know everything like you say you do, just tell us. Please, tell us now. It's actually cruel to say that you know everything, but refuse to help a horribly ill person. I guess he just said, I'll do it later, and took off. In the second city, he was also asked what he knew. I know everything. It's a bad look, buddy. Then tell us why our beautiful well at the marketplace has become dry. "'When I return,' said the woodcutter, and he refused to be detained. Again, he's like, I can solve your problem, but not right now. This guy's coming off like a really arrogant asshole here. I mean, I feel like you can kind of see where this is going, but still, what a dick. "'After a while, he came to a fig tree that was rotting, "'and nearby stood a man who asked him what he knew. "'I know everything.'" Then tell me why the fig tree is rotting and no longer bearing any fruit. When I return. I really hate this guy already. The woodcutter traveled on and encountered a ferryman, who had to transport him across a river, and he asked him what he knew. I know everything. So tell me when will I be finally relieved, and when will someone else transport people across the river? When I return. I don't know what this guy's game is. Just telling people, well, you don't have to say that you know everything. You can say, I can try to figure it out later, or I can try to find the answer. You don't have to say, if you say you know everything and then just say, no, I'm not going to help you. You're just a prick. You're just an asshole here. Come on, buddy. We continue. After the woodcutter was on the other side, he entered hell. Everything appeared black and sooty. However, the devil was not home. Only his wife was sitting there. The woodcutter said to her, Good day, Mrs. Devil. I've come here to take three golden hairs that your husband has on his head. And I'd like to know why a princess cannot be cured, why a deep well at a marketplace doesn't have any water, why a fig tree doesn't bear any fruit, and why a ferryman has not been relieved from his work. So he doesn't know everything. He's just going to ask the devil. That is not the same as knowing everything. This guy sucks. I would hate this guy if I ever met anyone like this. The wife was horrified and said, When the devil comes and finds you here, he'll eat you right away. And you'll never be able to get the three golden hairs. But since you are so young, I feel sorry for you and I'll see if I can save you. Damn, Mrs. Devil is super nice. Did not expect that, coming from the wife of the devil. Also, she takes pity on him because he's young. It's not that remarkable or worthy of her saving him. Also, he's a dick. He belongs in hell. He hasn't done anything kind or good or generous or virtuous or literally anything to make us think he's deserving of anything at all. He's just gone through a series of towns, lying to people and getting their hopes up, before fucking off, and leaving them with their problems. Fuck this guy. The woodcutter had to lay down beneath the bed, and no sooner did he do this than the devil came home. Good evening, wife, he said, and proceeded to take off his clothes. Then he burst out, saying, What's going on in this room? I smell. I smell the flesh of a man. I've got to look around. "'What are you going to smell?' his wife asked. "'You've got the sniffles, and the smell of human flesh is still stuffed up in your nose. "'Don't mess up everything, I've just cleaned the house. "'I won't make any noise, I'm, I'm tired this evening, "'and you won't even begrudge me some little thing to eat.' Well, "'She didn't say anything about noise, "'she just said she doesn't want you messing up the house. "'It's got nothing to do with noise. "'Upon saying that, the devil laid himself down in the bed.' and his wife had to lie down beside him. Soon he fell asleep. First he blew, then he snored. At the beginning he did this softly, and then he was so loud that the windows trembled. When his wife saw that he was sound asleep, she grabbed hold of one of the three golden hairs, ripped it out, and threw it to the woodcutter beneath the bed. Damn, Mrs. Devil is seriously hooking this woodcutter up. He's doing nothing here. The devil jumped up, what are you doing, wife? Why are you tearing out my hair? Oh, I had a nightmare. I must have done it because I was afraid. What did you dream about? I dreamed about a princess who is deathly sick, and no doctor in the world could cure her. Well, why don't they get rid of the white toad that's sitting under her bed? After saying that, the devil turned to his other side and fell asleep again. When his wife heard him snoring, she grabbed hold of a second hair, ripped it out, and threw it under the bed. The devil jumped up. Hey, what are you doing? Have you gone mad? You've been terrible ripping my hair. Oh, listen, my dear husband, I was standing before a large well at a marketplace, and people were yammering because there was no longer any water in it. They asked me if I knew if there was any way to help them. Well, I looked down the well it was so deep that I became dizzy. I wanted to stop myself, and then I got entangled in your hair. The devil replied, You should have told them that they had to pull out the white stone lying at the bottom of the well. Now leave me in peace with all your dreams. He lay down once more, and soon began snoring atrociously as before. His wife thought, I've got to dare once more. No, you don't. Why do you care about this guy, this woodcutter? Your husband is the literal devil. He kills people all the time. But because this guy is young, you're torturing your husband to help him? She's going to great lengths to help this guy out. And sure enough, she ripped the third golden hair out and threw it down to the woodcutter. The devil leapt into the air and wanted to teach her a nasty lesson, but his wife calmed him down, kissed him, and said... "'What horrible dreams! A man showed me a fig tree that was wilting, "'and he complained that it was no longer bearing any fruit. "'Then I wanted to shake the tree to see if something would fall off it, "'and the next thing I knew I was shaking your hair.' "'Dever replied, that would have been in vain. "'There is a mouse gnawing at the roots of the tree. "'If it's not killed, then the tree will be lost. "'Once the mouse is dead, the tree will be fresh, "'regain its health, and bear fresh fruit.' So, now stop plaguing me with all your dreams. I want to sleep, and if you wake me one more time, I'll give you a good slap in your face. Oh, dear. His wife was very much afraid of the devil's anger, but the poor woodcutter had to know one more thing that only the devil knew. So the wife pulled his nose and lifted him up into the air. Ah! damn. The devil jumped up as though he were out of his mind and gave her a smack in the face that resounded all over the place. Why is she doing this? Now she's literally subjecting herself to domestic abuse to help this random guy. Now I'm just on Mrs. Devil's side. Mrs. Devil is the hero of this story now because of her selflessness. I don't give a fuck about this woodcutter. I just want Mrs. Devil to be okay and happy by the end of this. His wife began to weep and said, Do you want me to fall into the water and drown? The ferryman brought me across the river, and as the barge approached the other side, it bumped into the bank, and I was afraid that I might fall and wanted to grab hold of the anchor, which was attached to a chain. That's why I grabbed hold of your nose. The devil replied, How come you didn't pay attention? The barge does this all the time. The ferryman complained to me that nobody has come to relieve him, and there's no end to his work. All he has to do is get the first man who comes to take over the fairing from him, until a third man comes who relieves him. This is the way that he can help himself. But your dreams are really strange. Everything you've told me about the ferryman is true, and everything else as well. Now don't wake me again. Soon it will be morning, and I want to sleep a little more. Otherwise, I'll make you pay if you disturb me. Oh, please don't do anything more. After the woodcutter had heard everything and the devil was snoring again, he thanked the devil's wife and departed. I hope he gave Mrs. Devil a really, really good thank you. Because my goodness. When he arrived at the barge, the ferryman wanted some information. First, take me across. That's smart. It's a smart move, woodcutter. When the woodcutter was on the other side, he said to the ferryman, The next person who comes and wants to be taken across the river... Keep him there until he takes over your job and continues your work until another man comes to relieve him. I mean, it's a pretty stupid answer to the ferryman's problem. All the ferryman had to do was wait for someone to ask to be ferried and just go, no, you do it, and boom, he's free. just, Just don't ferry the guy across. Just tell him to do it himself. Also, this must have been how he himself started being ferryman, by having this done to him, so he should know this. I guess the ferryman is is just a super nice, generous guy, and he just feels compelled to help whoever crosses his path. Which now means that, similar to Mrs. Devil, he has shown more kindness and generosity than the woodcutter at this point. Soon thereafter, the woodcutter came to the man with the wilted fig tree, and he said to him, "'All you have to do is kill the white mouse that's gnawing on the roots.' Then your tree will bear fruit again, just as it did in the past. The man asked, what do you demand for a reward? I want a troop of soldiers. And no sooner did he say this than a troop began marching behind him. The fuck? This is just a guy with a fig tree. Why would he be able to provide this? Also, it's pretty messed up of the woodcutter. To even ask for such a huge reward for knowledge, he didn't even acquire himself. Mrs. Devil did all the work here. The woodcutter thought that things were going well, and arrived in the city where the well at the marketplace had run dry. Yeah, I'll bet he thinks things are going well. He's hardly done shit, and now he's got soldiers and the the devil airs. Fetch the white stone that's lying at the bottom of the well. So someone climbed down and fetched the stone, and no sooner was he above... Then the well was once again filled with the clearest water. "'How should we reward you?' the mayor asked. "'Give me a regiment of cavalry officers.' And as the woodcutter went through the city gate, a regiment of cavalry officers rode behind him. This was how he entered the other city where the princess whom no doctor could cure was lying on her sick bed. "'All you have to do is kill the white toad that's hiding beneath the princess's bed.' And when that was done, the princess began to recuperate and became healthy and rosy. What do you want for a reward? asked the king. Four wagons loaded with gold, said the woodcutter. Alright, this guy is an asshole. He asks for huge rewards for pieces of information that were not difficult for him to get. By his own words, he said he, he knew everything already the first time he came across. So as far as these people know, he just cruised on through, said, no, I'll help you later, came on back, told them how to fix it, finally, after making them wait who knows how long this journey took, and then demands obscene, obscenely high rewards. It would be more virtuous and kind if he just helped these people and asking for nothing in return. He's done literally nothing to show any strength of character whatsoever to us, the reader. He's dumb, he's arrogant, and now he's greedy as well. He's taking armies and giant amounts of gold from these towns and cities who probably need that shit. If he asked for that, I'd be like, well, that seems pretty unreasonable. I mean, you made us wait all this time, and and then you just told us. seemed pretty easy for you. He already helped you. He already told you the thing. Just give him whatever you want as a reward. Give him a nice cake. Hey, thanks, buddy. Here's a cake. All right, see you later. Man, that guy's a dick. That's how it should have gone. Finally, the woodcutter reached home, and behind him were a troop of infantrymen, a regiment of cavalry officers, and four wagons loaded entirely with gold. The three golden hairs of the devil, however... "'were carried by himself. "'He ordered his regiments to wait in front of the royal gate. "'They were to enter quickly if he gave them a signal from the castle. "'Then he went to the father of his beloved princess "'and handed him the devil's three golden hairs "'and asked him to give him the princess for his bride "'in keeping with the promise he had made. "'The king was astonished and said that the woodcutter had done quite right "'with regard to the devil's three golden hairs,' Nevertheless, the king stated he would have to think about whether he would give him the princess for his bride. Uh Uh-oh, he's backing out. As soon as the woodcutter heard this, he moved to the window and whistled to his companions. All of a sudden, the troops of infantrymen and regiments of cavalry officers in four heavily loaded wagons marched and rolled through the gate. My king, said the woodcutter, take a look at my people whom I have brought along with me. And over there is all my wealth in those wagons full of gold. Don't you want to give me the princess? Now he's threatening the king, his future hopeful father-in-law. This guy sucks and is not noble or kind-hearted in any way. The king was terrified and said, Yes, with all my heart. Then the woodcutter and the princess were married and lived in bliss. This is why whoever is not afraid of the devil can tear out his hair and win the entire world. The End But he was afraid of the devil. He was literally hiding under the bed the whole time from the devil. He didn't stand up and face the devil fearlessly. If anything, Mrs. Devils did that. She stood up and confronted the devil. And she was afraid too. Everyone was afraid of the devil. No one was not afraid of the devil here. But she confronted him anyway, Mrs. Devil, and she didn't win the whole world. She didn't win shit. She got beaten by her husband, all for this cocky little shit of a woodcutter. Mrs. Devil is the real hero of this story. Woodcutter is an asshole who didn't do a damn thing. He just talked a crazy big game. And we now know that he didn't know anything when he was telling people, I know everything. He just banked all that, those questions and told his problems and the questions to Mrs. Devil, and she took care of everything, at the cost of literally being smacked by her husband. It sounded super stressful for Mrs. Devil. I do not know why she subjected herself to that and put a, when it went out on a limb for this woodcutter here, but wow, super nice of her. And the woodcutter was just lucky as hell that the devil wasn't home when he got there. And a Mrs. Devil is actually a saint of a woman. Woodcutter is the luckiest guy ever. You know what? I hate the Woodcutter for putting poor, kind, benevolent Mrs. Devil through that. Woodcutter is the real villain, actually. Woodcutter's the villain. Mrs. Devil is the hero. So the intended lesson here... Well, it says the intended lesson outright. Whoever is not afraid of the devil can tear out his hair and win the entire world. And I like the lesson that being fearless is necessary to take big chances and aim high and achieve great things, but this story is a terrible representation of that. I think the real lesson is that sometimes it doesn't matter how skilled or competent you are, sometimes people are just lucky, and that luck leads to unfathomable success. So Woodcutter was just lucky that all of those villages let him dick them around a little bit, and mess with them, and say he knew shit, and move on. He was super lucky that the devil wasn't home when he got there, and he was also super lucky that Mrs. Devil went to great lengths to do his job for him, and accomplish the mission for him. So I think the lesson here is some people are just lucky, and that luck leads to crazy success. I think that luck is a necessary part of literally anyone's success, even if you work really hard, and are really talented and skilled, you still need a little luck to really succeed. You need the right opportunity or the right circumstances for your work and talent to show themselves. At the very least, you need enough luck to not get hit by a car or something. But there are some people who literally just get massive lucky breaks that lead to unbelievable success. I mean, it's just statistics at a certain point. On average, we all have some lucky things happen to us. We all have some unlucky things happen to us. But statistically speaking, There have to be at least a handful of people who are literally the luckiest people on the planet, where situations just happen to break in their favor again and again and again and again. There are probably like three people like that, maybe just one person, who literally every situation just breaks their way time and time again, and that's the woodcutter. He's not clever or hardworking, he's just handsome and arrogant and a liar, and he gets lucky as hell. That's the lesson. Some people are just lucky. Another lesson is if you want something from someone, go through their significant other or best friend to, to ask for it, to try to get that. But if doing so, I will say this, if doing so would, could possibly subject the person you're asking to any sort of like physical altercation like it does in this instance with Mrs. Devil, don't, don't ask that. Don't, don't put that, in, don't put someone in that position. I seriously resent The Woodcutter for putting this on Mrs. Devil here. Team Mrs. Devil all day. So there we go. That is The Devil with the Three Golden Hairs. Let's adapt this thing. So it's going to be still in medieval times because I like that. It's going to be a movie. And we've got two heroes who are also a couple. So a knight and a warrior princess. And the knight is played by... Kumail Nanjiani, because he's funny, but he's also an action guy now. And the warrior princess is Emily Blunt. So we have this beautiful warrior princess and this hotshot knight who are essentially medieval rock stars. They've had many adventures, many victories, and the king calls them to him, and he says that his time as king is coming to an end, and he'd like to pass the throne on while he's still alive. So he tells them they need to accomplish one great task, and then his daughter, the warrior princess will be able to take the throne with the knight at her side, and the kingdom will be theirs. So this task that they must accomplish will be to retrieve the king's sword, like the king's ancient ancestral sword, from the bowels of a volcano, where it's guarded by a family of cyclops who who stole it ages ago. Family of cyclops, cyclopses? I think the plural of of cyclops is just cyclops, right? I'm going to look this up out of curiosity. Okay, Merriam-Webster is saying the plural of Cyclops is Cyclopes? Seriously? Wait, it says it's pronounced Cyclopes. That's ridiculous. Fuck off, Merriam-Webster. Cyclopes? And anyway, I'm getting sidetracked here. So they set off and they begin their travels. It becomes clear that each of their personal servants are actually the keys to their success and behind why this knight and this warrior princess have been so successful so far. So Kumail Nanjiani's servant is played by James Acaster, stand-up comedian. And Emily Blunt's servant is played by Tiffany Haddish, actor, stand-up comedian, both fantastic. So they're super smart, the servants, and they basically just always work behind the scenes to put the knight and the warrior princess in positions to succeed. So they make sure... To match them up well in tournaments, they they figure out how to accomplish their their adventures and their missions with strategy and cleverness. So they're the brains behind the operation, basically. But it's always sort of behind the scenes, unappreciated. So the knight and the princess essentially are just brave, arrogant idiots with good fighting skills and, and, you know, nice armor. So this foursome, they pass through the villages, who ask for their help. And they say that they're busy, but they'll try to get help on their way back. And the servants, they want to help them, but the knight and the princess insist that, no, we can't do this right now. we got a mission. we got to go go forward. And at the last village where they stop for the night, the servants sneak away in the middle of the night to help the villagers solve a problem. Let's say they figure out that the town well is messed up because there's some type of magical river monster that's trapped in a nearby river, and it's messing with all the groundwater and the river water. And so in the middle of the night, they free the river monster and they fix their problem. And this is also a scene where we see some some chemistry building between the two of them. And they tell the villagers not to tell the knight and the princess because they could get in trouble for going against their wishes. And the next day, they arrive at the volcano and the knight and the warrior princess want to charge in and fight and kill the Cyclopes. Seriously, Cyclopes? Sounds ridiculous. And the servants try to tell them not to and, and figure out a better plan. But the knight and the princess, Kumail Nanjiani and Emily Blunt, they're just too arrogant, too cocky, and they just go right in and attack the Cyclops. They're quickly defeated and knocked out, maybe even injured. And the Cyclops puts them in a cage to eat for dinner that night. And meanwhile, the servants have found a little alcove from which to watch the family of Cyclops. I'm just going to say Cyclops. I can't say Cyclopes anymore. It's ridiculous. I don't care if it's technically inaccurate. So the servants see that the older mother Cyclops actually doesn't want to eat them and is the most merciful and the kindest one of the group. So they take advantage of a a time when she's alone to come out and appeal to her empathy and basically convince her to help them, saying that if she lets the knight and the princess go free and gives them the king's sword, then they won't have to live in exile and solitude in in this volcano anymore. They'll give them a plot of land and sheep to raise and farm and eat, and the mother cyclops is like, so damn hot in this volcano. I hate it. I've, I've, I've lived here for ages. I'd love to be able to roam the pastures freely again. And I, I will help you. And so Mrs. Cyclops convinces the rest of the Cyclops of this plan. And while they're skeptical, the other Cyclops, Mrs. Cyclops delivers such a, a loving and kind-hearted speech that they ultimately come around to the idea of putting their pride aside and returning the sword and living freely once again. And so the knight and the princess are freed, and they get the sword. And on the way back... The princess and the knight see that the well in the village is fixed. And everyone is thanking the servants on their way back through because because they know that they're the ones that helped them. But the the knight and the princess, they're like, what the hell? Why is everyone thanking you? And it comes out that they helped the village in secret against the princess and the knight's wishes. And initially they're mad. But the servants are like, look, if you intend to lead these people, then you... You can't proudly reign over them if you won't help them when they need you. It would make you a terrible ruler. And this is when Tiffany Haddish and James Acaster, they have their moment where they stand up to the knight and the princess and they say, if you just want the glory and the power of being king and queen, but you won't help your subjects, then you don't deserve to be king and queen. You charge into every situation without thinking about anything other than glory for yourself. But without us, you never would have gotten here. You never would have... Never would have gotten the sword. You wouldn't even be alive. We've helped you every step of the way on every one of your adventures. And in this moment, they realize that they can't succeed without each other. The princess and the knight can't succeed without the cleverness and the kindness of the servants. And the servants can't succeed without the bravery and ambition of the princess and the knight. So as they make their way back to the castle, they help everyone who previously asked them for help along the way, They reach the castle and present the sword to the king, who says, The kingdom is now yours, dear princess and sir knight. But the princess and knight say no. Instead of becoming queen and king, we will form a council of four to rule over the realm with cleverness, kindness, bravery, and ambition. The end. There we go. That's the adaptation, and that will do it for this week's episode. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. I'm sure you've got your own adaptation ideas as well. Send those to me over on Twitter or Instagram. I posted the first Instagram that I've ever posted a week ago, so that's pretty great. I'm terrible at social media, but there we go. I posted an Instagram. I Instagrammed. I did it. I did it. I did it big. I did it right. Instagram all day. All over that, all over the gram. Gram cracker crust, So you can call me. Anyway, I'm tired. You can also check out the website, shadowbearstorysessions.com. You can donate, you can contact me, you can send me some feedback. would love to hear from you. And come on back next week for a story titled, Little Louse and Little Flea. This week, we literally encounter the devil. Next week, the scope of the tale is going way down to the tiniest of insects. So come on back next week for that. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions.